Section 29 of the English Restoration and Louis the Fourteenth by Osmond Airy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Pamela Nagami. Chapter 22. The Peace of Nijmegen, Part 1. 1. Marriage of William and Mary, Effect on English Policy. It was at this moment that William came to England on Charles's invitation. In spite of the fact that nothing could be less in keeping with the latter's engagements to Louis, the time seemed opportune for reviving the scheme of the prince's marriage with Mary. Charles hoped that William would feel the interests of the crown to be directly his own, and would thus be led to support them against his present friends among the Whigs. James believed that the marriage would disarm the violence of the opposition to his own accession, which, as the anti-Catholic spirit rose, was daily becoming keener, by enabling men to look past himself to a Protestant consort of the future queen. William felt that the close connection with the English royal house must strengthen him against both his foreign and domestic troubles, besides giving him a hold upon English foreign policy. The wooing was therefore a short one, especially as it was advisable to give Louis no time for remonstrance. On November 3rd, bonfires were blazing in the streets of London in honour of the betrothal, and on the 15th the marriage took place. The new influence was at once felt. The feeble resolutions of Charles were shaped by the firm will of the younger man, and on November 22nd fresh conditions of peace, which had emanated directly from William, were secretly proposed to Louis. Of all his conquests, Franche-Comte alone, with Cambrai, Aire, and Saint-Omer, were to remain in his hands. The fortifications of Philipsburg were to be raised. The Duke of Lorraine was to be restored to the full possession of his estates. Vague promises were made to satisfy Louis's ally Sweden, and he was to retain Messina until that was done. It was not to be expected that Louis, in the very flush of his triumph, should accept terms which would rob him of the northeastern frontier, which had so long been the object of French ambition. Rather than that, he wrote to Courton, I would risk losing my own towns, if my enemies, which is not likely, were in a condition to conquer them. Danby and William at once made capital of this refusal. Charles's irritation at his fresh failure was carefully fostered, and he was easily persuaded to throw over his compact with France and summon Parliament in January. Before it met, Louis made a last effort. He offered an increased bribe to Charles and a large present to Danby, and he withdrew from his haughty attitude so far as to give up his demand for Luxembourg, Courtrai, and Ypres. Both bribes and offers were, through Danby's steady conduct, refused. Not only so, but on January 10th, 1678, a treaty was signed at The Hague embodying William's terms and binding England and the Republic to compel the assent of both France and Spain. Ostend was handed over to Charles, provisionally, as a place d'armes on the continent. He raised 12,000 men, ordered the equipment of 30 ships, and recalled his troops in the French service. On February 7th, confident of the concurrence of Parliament, he opened the session with a speech which meant war with France, and he demanded supplies for ninety ships and forty thousand men. 
but the Shaftesbury opposition utterly distrusted the honesty of Charles's purpose. The marriage of William, as brought about by Danby, was now regarded with suspicion. They affected to believe that it was the result of an agreement with Louis himself, and that the king's warlike language was merely to induce Parliament to give him an army, which he would straightway use to secure despotic power. The welfare of Protestantism abroad and the checking of Louis's aggression no longer occupied their thoughts. To overthrow Danby and to secure liberty of conscience for Protestant dissent at home were their sole objects, and for these they were ready now to render Louis free of all interference from Charles. In fact, since Danby joined William, they joined Louis. Unable to oppose openly a war of which they had been the most vehement advocates, they determined to insist upon conditions of peace so onerous that Louis would be justified in continuing the war, but if possible, to render Charles powerless to join it. In the first part of their plan they succeeded. They carried an address to the king demanding that France should be reduced to the terms of the peace of the Pyrenees, and that no commercial relations should be held with her by England or England's allies until that was done but farther than this they could not make head against Danby's pensioners and the moderate men. By a large majority it was voted that thirty thousand men and ninety vessels should be raised to support the alliance with the Dutch, and on February 18th a resolution to raise a million sterling to enable His Majesty to enter into an actual war with the French king was agreed to. 2. Capture of Ghent and Ypres by Louis proposals for a separate peace with the dutch the suspicions of charles's honesty were as usual well founded unable from habit even if willing to take a great resolution though one in which the whole nation would have supported him the king now secretly made a fresh attempt to accommodate matters with louis by offering the alliance of england for six hundred thousand pounds on condition that louis would give up valenciennes and his other conquests on the Scheldt. But Louis was less than ever disposed to yield, for he had just struck another unexpected blow. He was determined to extort peace, as de Witt had extorted it by the Chatham exploit. Sending Crequy across the Rhine to oppose the Germans, he ostentatiously made preparations which seemed to threaten Ypres, Mons, Namur, and Luxembourg. The Spaniards hurriedly drew troops for their defence from all the towns where no attack was anticipated among them the great city of ghent suddenly louis concentrated his forces and appeared before ghent on march fourth having previously ordered dumieres to meet him there with his corps denuded of its defenders ghent was in his hands by the twelfth repeating his stratagem he threatened bruges and when the troops from ypres were drawn off to its succour he invested and took that fortress on the 25th. The effect upon public feeling in England was such that Charles, to keep his people within bounds, was obliged to send troops to Ostend while privately assuring the French ambassador that he had no desire for war and would do all in his power to avoid it. He was in a pitiable state of perplexity. Afraid of the popular outcry but unwilling to commit himself to war, he went on with his vain endeavours to find a compromise satisfactory both to Louis and William. His difficulties were increased by the state of things in the United Provinces. 
there too the union of william with the english royal family was looked upon with the keenest suspicion which was further increased by the discovery of a secret article in the treaty of january binding charles and the states-general to assist each other against their rebellious subjects a discovery which prevented the ratification of the treaty upon the republic therefore the capture of ghent and ypres had the effect which louis had intended now that their own independence was beyond question and that he declared himself willing to satisfy one of their essential demands by abandoning to spain a strong barrier for her low countries the dutch thought only of their other great interest commerce which was every day passing into the hands of england the states-general represented to william the necessity of a separate peace and they went the length of disbanding a third of their army louis informed of this disposition at once furnished his deputies at nijmegen with instructions always scrupulously faithful to his allies he in the first place insisted on full satisfaction to sweden of his conquests in the empire he would retain only freiburg or philipsburg in other respects the peace of westphalia should be scrupulously observed to spain he would concede a barrier extending from the sea to the meuse guarded by Nuport, dixmude courtrai audenarde at mons charlois and namur retaining ypres in his own hands to the dutch he offered maastricht and the most favourable commercial relations partial restoration was promised to the duke of lorraine if these terms were promptly accepted he would throw in either charlemont or dinan and bouvines a violent conflict went on in the provinces led by amsterdam and the principal towns of north holland the merchants clamoured for peace against them were temple and william who were supported by the whole body of nobles the prince hurried to the hague and spoke vehemently against so shameful an abandonment of his allies in the end all that the peace party could do was to secure from louis a three months truce with a removal of commercial restrictions and the sending of a pacific mission to england and brussels meanwhile the news of their action had reached england charles evidently saw in it an excuse for withdrawing from his forced connection with the republic he laid the matter before parliament april twenty ninth in a tone of anger at such a step having been taken without his consent and requested its advice at the desire of the commons he placed before them the various treaties he had mentioned in his speech after several days of eager debate a resolution of the most uncompromising character was carried by a narrow majority the king was desired at once to join the coalition for carrying on the war to secure the continued co-operation of the republic to obtain the consent of all the allies to a total prohibition of any commercial relations with france to invite further assistance and to secure a promise that no peace should be made without the consent of all to this vote so different from what he had desired charles made no reply on the ground that the lords had not concurred but on may eleventh he sent a message warning the commons that unless a supply were speedily given him he should be forced to lay up his ships and disband his troops the very step to which the shaftesbury party in fulfilment of their pledge to louis were now bent upon driving him the message raised a tempest in the house as colonel birch said this is a work of darkness from the beginning but so well had danby marshalled his forces 
that the court secured a majority of one against continuing the discussion he was unable however to prevent a general resolution against the whole conduct of affairs praying especially for the removal of lauderdale and other evil counsellors charles at once prorogued the parliament for ten days three secret treaties of charles with louis the disbanding question in parliament the truce offered by louis with the suggested terms of peace had in the meantime been submitted to the other members of the coalition by one and all they were rejected in language of the utmost defiance louis therefore again set himself to secure a separate peace with the republic but he lost no opportunity for strengthening his own position assembling a strong force at courtrai on may sixteenth he crossed the lys and from the little town of daintz close to ghent wrote a conciliatory letter to the states-general for a time william supported by the nobles and now by some of the towns though not by amsterdam stood firm against any compromise his resolution however was changed by unfavourable news from england and he consented to a deputation being sent to confer with louis the belief of birch that the whole matter was a work of darkness was fully justified charles had been again in secret negotiation with louis who had offered him two hundred and forty thousand pounds in the course of three years should he succeed in bringing about a peace but danby who was determined that if england was to be at the back of france it should be for a good price demanded that sum yearly for three years the payment to begin at once louis decided to meet charles halfway on may twenty seventh by a secret agreement drawn up and signed by charles alone for danby again refused to put his head in peril by adding his name it was arranged that charles should do his best to secure peace on terms favourable to louis within two months that if unsuccessful he should recall and disband his troops except three thousand to be left in ostend and should prorogue parliament for four months on condition of receiving the subsidy demanded half of which was to be paid at the expiration of the two months the suspicions of the commons again tended to reduce charles to the powerlessness which louis desired on the very day of the compact may twenty seventh they demanded either immediate war with france or immediate disbanding a week later after two similar votes they insisted that the disbanding should take place by the end of june though they afterwards altered the date as regarded the forces in the spanish low countries to july twenty seventh and they provided money for the purpose they gave him too a further supply for other uses after rejecting without a division his request for an increase of three hundred thousand pounds to the revenue when however the lords endeavoured to extend the date they at once repelled the assumed right of the upper house to meddle with a bill of money by tacking the bill to raise funds for disbanding on to that for further supply so that they must both fall or pass together charles having passed the bill prorogued the parliament on july fifteenth he had an excuse more than sufficient in his eyes for evading the engagement to disband for the whole aspect of affairs abroad and with it his intentions had again undergone a complete change up to the end of june peace with the dutch and spain had seemed assured william himself regarded it as useless to struggle any longer against the universal cry he wrote a conciliatory letter to louis which was answered in the tone befitting an injured father to a repentant son the states-general ordered their deputies to sign the treaty before the end of the month 
and Spain expressed her concurrence. Only at the last moment a misunderstanding suddenly declared itself which threatened an immediate renewal of the war on the part of every nation engaged. End of section 29